Welcome. You are listening to SIB Life Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you would like to know about SIB Life, including our online service time, you can join us online at siblife.my. And before I continue, can we just spend a few seconds to appreciate all our volunteers, people who are involved in our weekly Sunday service production, you know, the video editors, sound engineers, worship team, our YouTube hosts, our social media team, our service pastors, and even our intercessors who are praying for us throughout this service. So if you can type, just drop an emoji or give some short encouragement for them, shall we? Let's do that now. Hallelujah. You know what? I miss the visual interactions that happen when I'm in church. You know, how many of you can remember the joy and the excitement when we walk into the church? Waving and smile at the uh, ushers, the life secure team, you know, smiling at your friends who are sitting at the other side of the sanctuary. That's what I mean by visual interactions. You don't need to say anything, just smile and wave and that is enough to show your excitement and encouragement to one another. So church, let's not stop doing that. Continue encouraging and greeting one another by dropping your emoji in the chat box or just say hi and respond to one another in the chat box. At least we know who are present in our online service today, amen? So let's continue doing that, alright? Welcome home to each and every one of you and welcome to SIB Live to those of you who are joining us for the first time today. We are so glad that you are here with us. We will continue with our sermon series, right? Let's read Exodus chapter 24 verse 1 to 11. Then he said to Moses, Go up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of Israel's elders, and bow in worship at a distance. Moses alone is to approach the Lord, but the others are not to approach, and the people are not to go up with him. Moses came and told the people all the commands of the Lord and all the ordinances. Then all the people responded with a single voice, We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, He rose early the next morning and set up an altar and twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of the Israels at the base of the mountain. Verse 5, Then he sent out young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and set it in basins. The other half of the blood he splattered on the altar. He then took the covenant scroll and read it aloud to the people. They responded, We will do and obey all that the Lord has commanded. Moses took the blood, splattered it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and seventy of Israel's elders. And they saw the God of Israel. Beneath his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli as clear as the sky itself. God did not harm the Israelites' nobles. They saw him and they ate and drank. So how many of you attended our online service last week? 
Now, I'm sure you are blessed by Pastor Dan's sermon, and if you missed it, go and check it out later after the service. So last week in chapter 23, verse 20 to 33, we see how God gave His promises, warnings, and prohibitions to the nation of Israel. And today we will see how God confirms His covenant through a ceremony, and we will see how this event is impacting our life as believer. Now, let me be honest to you. As someone who grew up in a Christian family, I usually don't pay much attention on the details of the Old Testament, especially the events, because it's more like a story with some historical values. But like I mentioned before, as we get deeper in this series, I'm fully convicted that every believer must make an effort to not only read, but to study and understand the Old Testament. Now, as the great theologian Augustine once said about the Bible, he said, in the Old Testament, the new is concealed. In the new, the old is revealed. Without the old, we cannot understand the new. And without the new, we have an incomplete understanding of the old. So today, I'm bringing a message with the title, People of the Covenant. People of the Covenant. Atau dalam bahasa Malaysianya, Umat Perjanjian. Now, my prayer and hope is that each of us today can understand the meaning, the purpose and effect of God's covenant in our lives. Amen? Now, a Bible professor once said this, If we don't understand the covenant, we will not and cannot understand the Bible. If we see the big, the, the, the big picture in scripture, we will do a better job of interpreting the Bible details. And the covenant plays a fundamental role in seeing the big picture. So for today's sermons, I will be answering these questions, these three questions. And I pray that at the end of my sermon, we will learn to love God more and love what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the, the three questions are, number one, what is a covenant? Two, why does God want to make a covenant with his people? And the third one, what is the significance of God's covenant to us today? So are you guys ready? Let's dive in. So what is a covenant? Now, a covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two parties make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. They are often accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. Now, in our Bible, the word covenant appears nearly 300 times in the Old Testament and over 30 times in the New Testament. Covenants contain defined obligation and commitments, but they are different from a contract. Because when it comes to making a covenant with someone, it's relational and personal. Both parties must agree to fulfill certain conditions. If either party fails to meet their responsibilities, the covenant is broken and neither party has to fulfill the expectation of the covenant. So in chapter 23 verse 20 to 33, God is telling Moses what he will do to the people and the Israelites must respond to that. Now we can see their response in chapter 24 verse 3. 
Yeah, it says Moses came and told the people all the commands of the Lord and all the ordinances. Then all the people responded with a single voice, We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. And in verse 7, once again they responded, He then took the covenant scroll and read it aloud to the people. They responded, We will do and obey all that the Lord has commanded. Making and keeping covenants qualifies them to receive the blessings God has promised. Are you guys following me so far? Right. When it comes to covenant, I want us to think of a marriage. Yeah, perkahwinan, a marriage. A husband and wife choose to enter into a formal relationship, binding themselves to one another in a lifelong faithfulness and devotion. The ring and their vow represent their commitment to the covenant which is to love and care for one another, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us apart, right? Now, those of you who are married, I hope you guys still remember your vow. Now, sadly, some people approach marriage as a contract between two parties, whereby they both willingly enter into the marriage contract. And later on, if one of them want to exit the relationship, they simply negotiate the payments and penalties, you know, such as like alimony, splitting property, custody agreement for kids, etc. And once they got what they want, they move on with their own life. A contract says, what's in it for me? While a covenant says, what can I give or sacrifice for the sake of the other. Biblically speaking, marriage is not a contract but a covenant between two people with God and the rest of the community, which is their family members, friends, and those who are present at their wedding. Now, while a covenant is an ancient practice whereby two, party two parties promise to do something or to not do something, because of the fallen nature of humanity, the covenant may include penalties for breaking the covenant. But unlike a contract, it is considered immoral to break a covenant. Breaking a covenant is considered as a betrayal of trust. Now, we can see that despite God fulfilling his part of the covenant, the Israelites keep on breaking their vow. They keep forgetting the covenant they made with God. The Bible is a covenant book, and to be read well, it needs to be read covenantally. Have you ever noticed that covenant is, a, is written on the title pages of the two parts of our Bible? The word testament, okay, in Latin is a testamentum. It is a word for covenant. That's why in BM, it's clearly written as perjanjian lama and perjanjian baru. Right, so now you know what is a covenant. Are you guys okay? Here's the next question Why does God want to make a covenant with his people? Why? Now, God's covenantal relationship with Moses and the Israelites is not made automatically or out of necessity. It's not like God wakes up one day and suddenly decided to make covenant with them. No. God remembers his covenant with Abraham, the founding father of the nation of Israel. Now, in order for us to understand 
why God made the covenant in Exodus chapter 20 to 24, let me bring you back to Genesis chapter 15 to 17. Okay, it's the covenant between Abraham and God, also known as Abrahamic covenant. I guess, okay? So, the covenant consisted of three separate parts. The promised land, which is Canaan, the promise of the descendants, the promise, and the third one, the promise of blessing and redemption. Now, at Mount Sinai, God entered into a covenant with Moses and the rest of the Israelites. When God made his covenant with Abraham, he promised to make his descendants into a great nation to give them the land of Canaan and ultimately to bless all the nations of the earth through him. Now, I want you to understand that the covenant that God made with Moses was built upon the covenant he made with Abraham. As they waited at the base of Mount Sinai, Israel learned that they were the great nation that God had promised to Abraham. They were the ones who would inherit the land of Canaan, and ultimately their responsibility was to be a blessing to all the nation. The implications of this covenant were clear. The Lord would be Israel's God, and Israel would be his people. The focus at Sinai is less on what Abraham's descendants must do in order to inherit the land, and more on how they must conduct themselves within the land of God's chosen people. Now, in order to be God's treasured possession, kingdom of priests and holy nation, Israel must keep God's covenant by submitting to the requirements that was mentioned in Exodus chapter 20 to 23. By adhering to these and the subsequent covenant obligations given at Sinai, Israel would be manifestly different from other nations and thus reflect God's wisdom and greatness to surrounding people. By reflecting God's holiness, Israel would showcase true theocracy and thus serve as God's witnesses to a whole world. Up to this point, I know some of you have been wanting to know the meaning of the passage, specifically the rituals, right? What's the meaning of the sacrifice, the altar, the 12 stones? So, in verse 4 and 5, early in the morning, Moses got up and built an altar, and he also set up 12 pillars, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and to sacrifice bulls as peace of fellowship offerings to the Lord. Now, he did this because in Exodus chapter 20 to 24, God told Moses, An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. So there's an altar which become the place of burning the animals of sacrifice and also 12 pillars. So two types of offerings being mentioned in Exodus chapter 20 verse 24 and also in Exodus 24 verse 5. What are the two offerings? They are the burnt offerings and the peace or fellowship offerings. What is burnt offerings? 
The Hebrew word for burnt offering actually means to ascend, literally to go up in smoke. The smoke from the sacrifice ascended to God. Now, a burnt offering was the complete destruction of the animal in an effort to renew the relationship between holy God and sinful man. It was a sacrifice of general atonement, an acknowledgement of the sin nature, a request for renewed relationship with God and a complete dedication to God. Are you guys following me? That is why the burnt offerings must be completely burnt. So how about peace or fellowship offerings? It is also known as a communion offering, of which the main characteristic was that the sacrifice animal was shared between God, the priest, and the person offering the sacrifice. So that's the meaning of the two sacrifices mentioned in verse 5. We will get back to this again later. So, do you notice that Moses instructed young Israelite men to offer the burnt offerings and the peace offerings? It's a beautiful picture of two generations, young and old, working together, serving the Lord and worshipping Him. Now, this is one of the uh, important moments in Israel, Israel history where God confirms His covenant with His people. Let me tell you, I've seen many young people being neglected or being sidelined by senior leaders in their church just because they are young. Now, if you are listening and you're watching this, if you are a church leader, get your young people to work along with you, especially when it comes to a significant event that has a spiritual impact on your church. Amen? Alright, let's move on. How about the blood? The blood. In verse 6, Moses took half of the blood he splattered on the altar. And in verse 8, he splattered it on the people. This blood represented the sealing of a covenant or promise to the people of Israel. Now, in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. Now, because blood represents life, its sprinkling on the congregation represented a vital commitment between God and His people. Now, in chapter 24, the blood of animals serve as a covering or atonement for the sins of the people. The animal's life was given in place of the sinner's life. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, the significance of the sprinkling of blood on both the altar and the people symbolizes the coming together of the two parties in covenant, which is God and the Israelites. The blood by which the covenant was confirmed and sealed was the basis of the union between God and His people. Are you guys following me? Now, now we come to the last part of the covenant, cere uh, of the covenant ceremony, which is so beautiful. Right? This happened only after they offered the burnt offerings. This happened only after they expressed their obedience to God and after the blood was sprinkled on them. Now check out verse 10 and verse 11. It says, There they saw the God of Israel. Verse 11, And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, He did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in His presence. Now, this is interesting. 
because John chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that no one has ever seen God except the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in Exodus chapter 33 verse 20, God told Moses, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. This scripture seemed to contradict with verse 10. And also if you remember in Exodus chapter 20 verse 18 to 21, the people was in fear. They do not dare to come close to God. So they stood at a distance and told Moses, don't let God speak to us or we will die. So we have an issue that, uh, that has been talked about numerous, numerous times among Bible scholars. How could the 74 people see God if no one can see God's face and live? How? And how come they can come closer to God when in chapter 19, God told Moses to warn the people not to come near the mountain. Now, one possible answer to this is because they have offered burnt offerings to God, blood has been shed, and atonement has been made. That's why they can be in God's presence. And not only that, they can see Him, but not seeing God's face, just His feet. Now, it was a glimpse of God's glory. So, how about that covenant meal that they ate at the mountain? Now, covenantal meal was an important part of covenant making in those days. Eating with other people was a significant event in ancient days, for only parties who were at peace could dine together. The meal that was eaten demonstrates that God had made peace with these representatives of Israel, and therefore the entire nation. Ordinarily, being in the divine presence would have resulted in the death of the sinner. For no unholy person can see the Lord's face and live. But when God invites people into His presence, they are preserved since it is His will to set them apart as holy and fit to stand before Him. He makes peace with his people before he calls them into his presence, so they need not fear destruction. Are you guys with me? Now, up to this point, I've been showing you the meaning of the covenant and why does God want to make a covenant with his people. Now, we come to the last question. After hearing all this, what's the significance of the covenant to us today? Now, as history progresses, it becomes evident that Israel had met a mass of things. They failed to keep God's commands and thus experienced the curses of the covenant. So, once again, God with His love and mercy make a new covenant. In Jer Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34 says, Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. The Lord's declaration, verse 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration, I will put my teaching with them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
no longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive the iniquity and never again remember their sin. Hallelujah. Now, this new covenant makes it clear that God will finish what he started. Amen. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 6 to 7 says that the Lord will give his servant as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in the darkness. Indeed, the servant will be a covenant, the means through which people will come into a covenant relationship with the Lord. This fulfillment would come through a covenant enacted on better promises because of the obedient son who would fulfill it. So who is this new covenant? Who is this uh, obedient son who would fulfill it? He is Jesus. Say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. Now, the new covenant or new testament is the promise that God makes with humanity that he will forgive sin and restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned towards him. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant and his death on the cross is the basis of the promise. Are you guys following me? Amen? Now, the new covenant was originally given to Israel and it, and it includes a promise of fruitfulness, blessing, and a peaceful existence in the promised land. In Ezekiel chapter 26, verse 28 to 30, God says, Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. After the resurrection of Christ, Gentiles, which is us, you know, non-Jews, we were brought into the blessings of the new covenant too. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? Now, this is so beautiful. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. Amen. Now, the old covenant has served its purpose and it has been replaced by a better covenant. You can read this in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. Hebrews teaches that Jesus is the new covenant who through his atoning death actually provided the basis of forgiveness of sins represented in the sacrificial system of the old covenant. Through Jesus, the new covenant, we can see God. On one occasion, Philip, one of the, the disciples of Jesus asked, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. In answer to this question, Jesus declared, Have I been with you so long, and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. John chapter 14, verse 9. Amen. If not because of Jesus, our new covenant, our Sunday service will be different. The way we worship will be different. Can you imagine coming to church, bringing our own sacrificial animal to God for forgiveness? 
Wow. Praise be to God because of Jesus, he is the Lamb of God. Amen. A perfect sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away my sin and your sin. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. And remember last week during Holy Communion, Jesus said, yeah, in Matthew chapter 26, 28, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Church, we are forgiven by God because He has poured His blood for us. Now, I'm going to leave you with these three thoughts on the new covenant. The new covenant involves a, re involves a close, intimate relationship between God and His people. Secondly, the new covenant means that every person from the least to the greatest knows god personally and third the new covenant effects complete forgiveness of sins we are given the opportunity to receive salvation as a free gift our responsibility is to exercise faith in christ the one who fulfilled the law on our behalf and brought an end to the law's sacrifices through his own sacrificial death through the life-giving holy spirit who lives in all believers we share in the inheritance of christ and enjoy a permanent unbroken relationship with god because of what because we are people of the new covenant amen hallelujah now with every head bowed every eyes closed i wanted to imagine what your life would be like if you are outside of the covenant now imagine if we are to live in the old testament imagine the rituals that we have to go through every year blood sacrifices and imagine the distance between us and god we can only worship god from afar Now imagine if you don't have Jesus in your life, what will happen to you? Imagine if you are not in the new covenant with God. You know, church, the new covenant promises eternal life. That means the life of the believer does not end in the grave. Those who believe in Christ will have an everlasting life. So choose today. Are you going to live outside of the covenant or you want to be the people of the covenant? The nation of Israel responded to God by saying, we will do everything that the Lord has commanded. As people of the covenant, we ought to follow Jesus and obey his commandments for the rest of our lives. Follow him even if life is difficult. Amen. Follow Him even if you are the only person who chooses to live righteously. And follow Him even if it costs you everything. Hallelujah. I will follow you. That's my promise. I will follow you till the
you have not asked God to forgive your sins, if you do not know God personally through Christ, and if His laws are not written in your heart, you are outside of His new covenant. You know, to die in such condition would mean that you would face God's righteous judgment and condemnation. But if today you choose to turn from your sins and trust in Christ's death as, a, as payment for your sins, you will begin to enjoy the blessings and benefits of the new covenant. So first, I want to pray for those of you who want to surrender your life to Jesus. You want to be included in His new covenant. Raise your hand right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, you see every hand that is raised at this moment. They want to give their whole life to you. They want to enter into your new covenant. They want to experience an intimate relationship with you and experience your blessings in their lives. Father God, today I pray you pour out your Holy Spirit on each of them. Put your laws in their hearts and write them on their minds, Father God. Your word says that you will not only forgive our sins, but you will not remember them. Hallelujah. You have completely and permanently deal with sin once for all through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. So today, Lord Father, I proclaim your promises upon their lives. I speak life, I speak blessings upon their life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I will follow you. That's my promise. And I will follow This is our promise, our commitment to you as people of the New Covenant. We will follow you with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. We will continue to remember what you have done at the cross, and we will testify about your goodness in our lives wherever we go. Thank you for today. Thank you for your presence in our service. We know that each of us have been renewed in our hearts and in our minds. As we depart from this online service, make your presence known in each individual's heart and through our worship, let us be blessed and learn to remain in your presence always. May our worship be acceptable before you, O God. Let the peace that surpasses all understanding be with us as we leave this place. 
Church, let our words and actions align with your word. Help us, O oh God, to practice what we have learned here today. Bless us as we leave this place and help us to be a blessing to everyone that we meet and interact with. Help us, Lord, never to forget that you are with us always. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So church, may the strength of God sustain you. May the power of God preserve you. May the hands of God protect you. May the way of God direct you. May the love of God go with you this day and forever. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big round of applause. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today. Don't forget to join us for the Prayer Summit Gabungan Tiga Wilayah on the 15th September, starting 9pm until 1am. And also, our WePay on Saturday will resume back to its original time, 9am. Alright? So, that's all. Have a blessed week. Tuhan memberkati. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to live podcast we hope that you will be challenged by this message and you will share it with your friends family member and co-worker we hope you have a great day god bless you